Welcome. My name is George Mann, and I'm the writer of Newbreen Hobbs, Witchwood, and Star Wars The High Republic. This is Kevin Shinnick, writer of Star Wars Force Collector. I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic. This is Dominic Pace, who plays Gekko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Claudia Gray. I write Star Wars books. And you're listening. And you are listening. And you are listening. To Star Wars Comics in Canon, the Force is strong with this one. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 138. So my friends, we are back to doing the usual programming of comic plot summaries and connections and that usual stuff that you expect from Star Wars Comics and Canon. There's not going to be any more book reviews for a little while at least, I think. I've got some Legends books that I'm listening to on audiobook, but I'll release those on my Patreon. And then also there's going to be some High Republic books coming out in a month or so. I think George Mann's Eye of Darkness comes out in November. But I imagine I won't be able to finish reading that till probably December, so my plot summary review of that probably won't be out till December, January, maybe. So you're going to be getting a lot of comic content over the coming months. I've mapped out essentially everything I'm going to be doing. There's all the run-up to Dark Droids. You've got Star Wars, Bounty Hunters, Darth Vader, and Doctor Aphra. There's a miniseries finishing off Yoda, as well as doing the Sana Staros Family Matters miniseries, the Clone Wars Battle Tales, Dark Horse's Hyperspace Stories, Tales from the Death Star, all kinds of great stuff. Plus, there's more of those Return of the Jedi one-shot comics, including Max Rebo, Empire and Rebellion. But also, I will be doing kind of a book review for Life Day, which I'm either going to release on the 18th or the 25th of November, because that's kind of when Life Day is. Life Day is when Thanksgiving is in America, and Thanksgiving isn't on a Saturday, so I can choose one or the other. So I'll figure that out nearer the time. That's a collection of short stories, so I guess it kind of is a book review. But I'll do an episode on that, because I already did the Life Day comic last year. But that's all stuff for the future. What are we doing today? Well, if you haven't joined me before, welcome. Hello there. What I do in this show is I go through these comics in chronological order, and along the way I give you bonus information, so you never have to have read any of these comics I'm tackling, you never have to have read any Star Wars comics in actual fact. A light recommendation is to listen to prior episodes, especially in this series, so you have a loose idea of what's going on, but if you haven't, no problem at all. Generally, they're quite self-sufficient, you can kind of get the gist of what's going on anyway, and you get a better understanding of both the comic canon, but also the wider canon along the way. And you can listen to this on any podcast app. You can listen on the podcast feed of Comics in Motion or Star Wars Comics in Canon. Or you can listen on YouTube at youtube.com slash genuinechitchat, where I also release episodes of my interview podcasts and that sort of stuff. But without any more waffling, let's just delve straight in because it's been far too long since I released a standard comic episode. So I am tackling four issues from the 2020 run of Star Wars comics. So that is the second canon run of comics just called Star Wars, the Star Wars main run, however one wants to put it. And the previous episode I tackled some Star Wars comics from the main run was back in episode 115 because I've been tied up with doing the Hidden Empire comics and and the High Republic Phase 2 stuff. The Star Wars comics were intertwined with War of the Bounty Hunters and then Crimson Reign but then they weren't really intertwined with the Hidden Empire comics. I'll speak a little bit about those in here because there's one or two little things that kind of connect to it, but they do not connect anywhere near as much as the Afro or Bounty Hunters comics did, and therefore I just didn't tackle them. So we're actually quite a few issues behind of what's going on right now, and obviously the Dark Droids crossover event is going on right now, which does 
heavily intertwined with all four of the main ongoing runs of Star Wars comics. Again, Bounty Hunters, Dr. Aphra, Darth Vader, and this main Star Wars run. But I'm not going to be delving into Dark Droids for many, many weeks because I need to get all the way caught up with all the comics set before that. So as I said, I'm tackling issues 30 to 33, and then in a couple weeks' time, I will then tackle issues 34 to 36, because the Dark Droids crossover event starts with issues 37 of Star Wars, Darth Vader, and Bounty Hunters, and issue 35 of Dr. Aphra. So there's going to be two episodes on the Star Wars main run, two episodes on the Darth Vader comics, one episode on the Bounty Hunters comics, and one episode on the Dr. Aphra comics as well. So we've got a few months before Dark Droids kicks off on this channel. So Star Wars 30-33 to is all written by Charles Saul. The colour artist for all four of these issues is Rachel Rosenberg. And then the artist for issues 30 and 31 is Andres Ginole. And for issues 32 and 33, it's Madabek Musabekov. Issue 30 was released January 4th, 2023. Issue 33 was released April 5th, 2023. And the trade paperback collection was released September 26th, 2023. But I must add that the trade paperback collection is going to include issues 31 to 36, I believe. So issue 30 was actually included in the prior trade paperback collection of Star Wars comics. But anyway, with all of that out of the way, let's delve straight into issue 30. That's the first of these four. And here is The Crawl. Hoping to solve the Rebellion's dire fuel shortages, Amelin Holdo took a desperate gamble. Centuries ago, tanker ships known as the Kazarat Convoy vanished into hyperspace. Dismissed by many as a legend, the Kazarat Convoy possessed an abundance of fuel supplies. With a garbled transmission from the Kazarat as her only clue, Amelin decided to track the long-lost convoy. Locating the convoy required a Nile Path engine, a unique piece of hyperspace technology used by a now-defunct gang of marauders. Amelin gathered her allies on Spira to purchase a surviving Nile strike ship. Having lost the auction to the Empire, the heroes of the Rebel Alliance stole the Path Engine. As an Imperial squadron overwhelmed the Rebels, the Path Engine provided them a dire rescue, thrusting them into the mysterious no space. So a couple things to pick apart here before we delve right into the plot itself. So Amelin Holdo, you'd remember her from The Last Jedi, played by Laura Dern. She has purple hair and she's the one who kind of takes over once Leia gets knocked out and a lot of the ship gets destroyed and then she's the one who has that conflict with Poe. Now, she's actually technically first in Leia, Princess of Alderaan, which is a book by Claudia Gray. And I really recommend that book. It really surprised me how good it was. A young Holdo is quite similar to Luna Lovegood in a lot of ways, like Claudia Gray specifically says that in interviews. And Holdo is from Gatalenta. Now, she dyes her hair quite a lot, doesn't like her uniforms and things, likes to be barefoot, and is goes against the grain quite a lot. She's always been a bit of a rebel. She rebelled against Gatalenta, she rebelled against all kinds of different things as well. She is essentially pansexual, but in more so in the Star Wars universe, she isn't bothered by gender or really even species. And I only mention that because A, it's in the Leia Princess of Alderaan book, but also it's actually oddly relevant here. But I'll delve into that a little bit later. And obviously Holdo did the famous Holdo maneuver in The Last Jedi when she used hyperspace to essentially ram a ship and then splintered off into lots of other things. But essentially, experimental shields on that ship, that's one of the reasons why that worked. It doesn't really work elsewhere, or it's very rare to work. But anyway. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention was No Space and the Nile. So the Nile are the main antagonists from Phase 1 and Phase 3 of the High Republic. Now, I imagine most of you are aware of what the High Republic actually is because I talk about it all the time on this podcast. The High Republic is like my favourite era of Star Wars. I've read all the books, all the comics, everything, basically all the High Republic content I'm just obsessed with. So 
Anytime there's any mention of them, I get very, very excited. But yeah, these Nile, these space marauders, they essentially have access to a technology which is not really used anywhere elsewhere in the canon. I don't think it's even in Legends, to be honest with you. And if you want to find out more about that, you essentially have to read quite a few of the High Republic books, or you can listen to all of my reviews of the High Republic books, and I give you bits and pieces in that. I think Out of the Shadows, the young adult novel by Justina Ireland, I think in that you get the most amount of information about how the path kind of works and what's powering it and all that kind of stuff. But it's essentially going through hyperspace in a really, really peculiar way. And in no space, which is where our crew are in this comic, is essentially a place that the Nile could hide away from anyone else. It's essentially impossible to get to, seemingly without a specific Nile path engine. And the Great Hall of the Nile is like the Nile home base, at least in phase one of the High Republic. So there's some background information, and now we can delve right in. So our little rebel gang, I'm probably going to refer to them as the gang rather than listing all their names over and over again, they are in no space and they note that something feels off, everything looks a bit peculiar, they don't really feel comfortable here, so they try getting out of no space by using the hyperdrive, but it doesn't work. So they decide to disconnect the engine, do a full ship shutdown, but it takes a little while for the ship to restart, so Holder decides, why don't we go and explore instead of just waiting around, because they need to land the ship to actually do this full shutdown, and they land in the Great Hall of the Nile. There's like a bubble around it of atmosphere it seems, and there's not really anyone around, so they decide to go and explore. I realise I said I'm going to call them the gang, but I didn't actually tell you who's there, so it's Luke Skywalker, Leia Organa, Lando Calrissian, Lobot, Amelin Holdo, and Chewbacca. There are no droids with them. So they go around and look around this great hall of the Nile, and they run into a young boy. This boy asks for flavours, as he calls them. Leia gives him a couple of ration bars, then he tells them a little bit more about the olds and the news, and then he hears a noise and then runs off, and then they're a bit worried and like, where's that kid going? He's about to fall like off the edge of this random floating platform we found in the strange place, and then he activates his jetpack and flies away. So the gang decide, let's head back to the ship. So still don't really know that much about what he was talking about with the olds and the news, but it does get explained. The boy's name is Forvan, you get told that a little bit later, but I'm just going to call him Forvan from here because it's easier. When he then runs off, Lando makes a comment about scum rats. Now, scum rats are actually in Solo A Star Wars Story. They're also in the book Most Wanted, which is about Kira and Han like before the Solo A Star Wars Story. And also they are mentioned in The Bad Batch as well, as well as a few other bits and pieces of content. Essentially, they were children taken in by the White Worms gang on Corellia. And the White Worms gang is the gang owned by Lady Proxima, which Han and Kira are both a part of. But yes, essentially, children who steal and do dodgy things for the gang. So the gang head back to the ship, and they notice that there are some droids that are surrounding the ship. So the gang try to get these droids away, but they're quite heavy duty. They seem to be somewhat blaster resistant, and then Luke is trying to use his lightsaber on them, but it's not really finding its way. It's kind of somewhat bouncing off them. Lobot then tries to control them using his implant and things, because he can sometimes control droids, but it doesn't work. The gang are then backed up to an edge, a ship shows up and opens a ramp, so they each decide to try and jump onto the ship because they have no real other option. When they go to jump, they spend approximately two seconds in the vacuum of space between the air in the Great Hall of the Nile and the air and life support that this ship has. So each of them jump and things and seem to make it fine, but then Lando trips and almost dies. He like starts to fall through space, but Luke uses the force to save him and pulls him back. Lando thanks him graciously, but Luke is a little bit concerned because he's saying there's some sort of force ripples going on that are affecting his concentration, and he really should have been able to help Lando far quicker rather than letting Lando fall that way. So a couple things to note here. Those droids that surrounded the ship are called Killbots. They're a type of sentry droid. They're over two meters tall, and they guard the Great Hall of the Nile, obviously. They were put there by Markion Rowe's dad, Asgar. Markion Rowe is like the main antagonist of Phase 1 and 3 of the High Republic. He's the leader of the Nile, and his dad, Asgar, was the leader before him. Well, the leader of the Nile is called the Eye of the Nile, but delving into the whole hierarchy of that is too complex for this. 
So Luke mentioned these force ripples affecting his concentration. So the reason for that is the Fermata Cage in the Hidden Empire comics. I tackled that in episode 129 of Star Wars Comics in Canon, so go back and listen to that if you haven't already. But essentially it's this dark side force artifact thing, capable of trapping force users in there. Kira tries to use it on Palpatine and Vader, but then it gets destroyed, and it sets off this massive ripple effect. When we delve into the Darth Vader comics, which will be in a few weeks' time, you'll see that these ripple effects have a massive impact on Darth Vader, and we'll see if they impact Palpatine as well. But yeah, Luke's connection to the Force is being somewhat like weakened and strengthened at the same time. It's a, it's a weird thing, but it's, it's quite cool to watch. But back to the story. So the gang are now on this ship. Holdo and Leia are chatting about things, and Holdo's like apologising to Leia, but Leia's like, no, it's great, you know, I would just be kind of stuck on a ship thinking about the rebellion and all this. This is a lot more exciting, blah, blah, blah. And then a speaker in the ship then tells them all to throw their weapons out, or they'll all be ejected into space. They all discuss it, but obviously agree eventually because there's not really anything they can do, and then Luke begrudgingly throws his lightsaber out. Then Luke's lightsaber starts to float away, but then Forvan then flies in with his jetpack, grabs it, and then flies off with it. Before Luke can really say anything, the kid's gone. The ship then reaches the Keserat Convoy, but it's grown exponentially in size and is now referred to as the Keserat Colony. It's essentially a gigantic ship that's been made from other ships kind of connected together. The speaker then notes that in no space, normal rules don't apply. That's why no one can leave by using a standard hyperspace engine. And in fact, no one has actually left no space or part of that Keserat colony for over two centuries. And then the door opens, and then a gentleman steps out and says, you are home. So the gentleman who steps out is a character called Blythe. He introduces himself in the next issue, and he is an Abyssian. So an Abyssian is a one-eyed humanoid species, so they're cycloptic and they also have regenerative abilities. Now, they can live up to 300 years old. They're from the planet of Bys, or Bice, B-Y-S-S, and you will have seen them in quite a few different places. There's one in the Cantina in A New Hope. There's one in Mandalorian Chapter 9, The Marshal, which is essentially a gangster called Gore Koresh, which Din confronts about finding other Mandalorians, and then he kind of betrays Din, so they have like a confrontation. But also in Jabba's palace, there are statues of the heads of Abyssians on Jabba's like hover sled throne thing. So anytime there's a Jabba's palace thing, look out for what Jabba is sat on, and you'll see, yeah, these like bronze-ish heads of Abyssians on the hover sled thing. No idea what that's all about, but it's quite cool looking. But yeah, so Blythe is an Abyssian, so essentially a one-eyed humanoid figure. So that ends issue number 30, so we move on to the second issue of this batch, issue 31. So Blythe introduces himself as the captain and then says to not bother attacking him or anything like that, because obviously if you attack, then everyone else on the ship is going to know about it, and there's just no way that they could possibly survive, and even if they could, then they're just trapped in no space as well. The gang then agree with that logic, and they introduce themselves too. So Blythe then says that everyone here has to pull their weight, and Blythe starts to show them around. Holder then notes that this used to be a convoy, but then obviously now it seems to be a colony, and Blythe says, yeah, it's been a few hundred years of us kind of being here. He notes they grow their own food, they have a school, they have a hospital, and they even have a swoop racing league. Now, swoop racing was actually first in Star Wars Legends, I believe it was in Knights of the Old Republic, the games, but swoops were essentially really dangerous, stripped-down versions of speeder bikes. They did get brought back into the canon in the Star Wars Adventures comics briefly, they've not really been in the canon that much, they're not really in Legends that much either, but yeah, just a stripped-down speeder bike race. Then the kid, Forvan, then shows up again, and Blythe confirms that it is his son. Luke asks if he can have his lightsaber back, and then Blythe says, well, when we've decided that you're not a threat, then uh, we'll return it to you, but for now, we still need to kind of vet you, in essence. Blythe then notes that there's been fighting in the colony prior, back a couple hundred years ago, when the convoy was near Hetzel. They found their way into no space, and then the Nile attacks them. The Nile weren't like specifically looking for them, or even hunting them, it's just that when certain Nile would kind of come across the convoy, they would then attack. So the Keserat convoy had to defend themselves because they said, there's no reasoning with the Nile, it's either kill or be killed. 
They did manage to capture one of the Nile, and then she spoke of storms and eyes and those sorts of things, which are elements of the Nile hierarchy, but she didn't really give them any additional information. The convoy then searched for the Nile's method in and out of no space, but there was just no luck at all. So then they tried to kind of make a base at the Great Hall, but then there were just loads of killbots there, and so they couldn't go there either. Then Forvan was clearly very excited about a specific part that Blythe had missed out. Blythe then tells Luke, look, let him down easy once he explains it to you. So they go with Forvan and he shows him this big mural that's quite cool. And the mural is of a person called Alarine Z. Now they are a Jedi who found herself in no space and then fought off the Nile those few hundred years ago. And she stayed with the convoy because obviously there's not really any way to get out. And then she eventually just died of old age because that's what the vast majority of people do on the Keserat convoy or Keserat colony as it now is. But then as the years have gone by, some people believe that a Jedi would one day return to take them all home. Luke then says to Forvan that he'll try his best, but he definitely can't promise anything. Chewie then asks if he can look into their records and things to see if he can try anything that they may not have. Now, I want to clarify here that Chewie obviously says stuff, but Blythe and other people don't really know what Chewie is saying, so Lando translates. Blythe says, yeah, sure, you can look at those records, but you need probably about six months here to make sure that we trust you fully. Then you can look through all of their records. But until that point, we're going to split you up and you're all going to get interviewed for your new roles in the colony. So Chewie is then with Lobot in like a cell. Holdo is with Lando and Luke is with Leia. It also shows that those killbots are now destroying Holdo's ship. Luke is pacing and is worried about the sacred Jedi texts. He's got a book which, if you may not remember, that he essentially found and it's teaching him loads of stuff about the Jedi and all kinds of stuff. And he says if he doesn't get that back, he may never be able to become a Jedi. This is like one of the most important things he's ever come across in his life. So he is desperate to find it. Now the final pages of this comic show that Lando's kind of having a crisis. He's worrying about himself in a way that He's saying he's trying to do good, but no one seems to really trust him. His old reputation is just what people are believing instead of what his actions are showing right now. And he's kind of questioning, should I really bother even doing anything good? Because if I'm doing all these good things, but everyone just assumes the worst of me, what's even the point? And Holdo somewhat comforts him and is like, look, you don't need to worry about that. You need to do good things for you, not for your reputation. Eventually things may change, but even if people's perceptions of you don't change, you should still do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Lando offers to play cards and she declines, but then she says, but there's something else I could think we could do. And then they make out. And then the final panel of this comic shows that Chewie is in his bunk just thinking to himself, and then he remembers something he saw on the mural, and he suddenly has an idea. And that's where issue 31 ends, so we get on to issue 32. So Chewie tries telling the guards that he has an idea, but they don't understand Shriwook. So they then take him to someone who does understand Shriwook, which is Lando. So at Lando and Holdo's cell, they are sat upright and are kind of looking suspicious. It's very clear that they have just had sex, and Chewie can also tell as well. And Lando makes a comment that Wookiees are very good at picking up vibes, but it's none of his business what they get up to in their cell. Lando then translates what Chewie was trying to say to the guards and says Chewie has figured out a way he can get everyone home. So the group of them go to Blythe and he says, look, all news say that they found a way, but we've tried it all. Hope is a dangerous thing in no space. Lando does eventually convince Blythe to listen to Chewie, and then Chewie shows that on the mural, there are certain ships that have got these glowing green dots, and they represent path engines. And Blythe is like, yeah, we know all about that. We've looked into all this research, we even have coordinates that we could use, but we don't have a path engine, and we have no idea how to make one, so it's completely redundant. And Lando says, but we do have a path engine. So they round up the rest of the gang, but Blythe says that he's not going to risk any of his ships or his people, but they can have an old damaged fighter. If they can repair it and things, they can use it and go back to the hall. Because the Great Hall is where the ship was, and obviously that's where the Nile Path engine was. And obviously that's good for Luke, because that's where his book is. So Lando, Lobot, and Chewie all get to work on fixing this up, while Blythe talks to Leia in private. 
Now the ship itself, the fighter, is actually a long beam cruiser. Now that's from the High Republic era. It's in phase one and in phase two of the High Republic, but it's made on the planet of Hosnium Prime. It normally has to have a crew of three people to pilot it, and it normally can carry 24 passengers. It's quite a cool ship. It looks quite cool. You can look it up, but I immediately recognized it was High Republic and I was like, oh, that's that's too big to be a vector. So I, I thought it was a long beam, but obviously I researched just to make sure. So Blythe is talking to Leia and says that they haven't had any news for 35 years. And to clarify again, every time I say news and olds, that's what they're referring to people as. You've been on the Khazarat colony for a while. You are an old and you're new to the Khazarat colony. You are a new or news, obviously in plural. It makes sense when you're reading it, but obviously when I'm speaking it to you, it might get a little bit confusing, hence the clarification. So Blythe asks Leia about the state of the galaxy. She knows about the Empire and what they're kind of doing and things like that and says that the galaxy isn't the way it was 35 years ago. You know, 35 years ago when you last heard from people, that was when the Republic was still about and the Empire was a very different place. But now there's this dictator who's controlling everything and just killing anyone who steps out of line. And Blythe is like, oh, maybe no space doesn't seem so bad now. The ship then seems to work, it gets all fired up, but then Blythe says that Leia must stay behind because in case they find the engine and it works, he doesn't want them all just to abandon them. So the gang, minus Leia, fly in the ship. The ship has no weapons at all, not even any shields, it just has the engines and the life support system. However, Blythe did give the weapons back to each of the members, including the lightsaber back to Luke and the blasters and etc. And the boy Forvan even managed to get a couple of spacesuits together to give to them as well. So they get to the Great Hall and the Killbots have essentially destroyed the ship that was there, but they are guarding the Path engine because they think it's now theirs. So they discuss that Luke will distract the Killbots initially, and then Lando and Holdo will also start to distract them, and then Chewie will kind of run in and grab the engine. So they all go to do that, they distract etc, and they're using their jetpacks to kind of get out of the way and things. Chewie manages to grab the engine, and then he starts to get surrounded by these Killbots, but Luke uses the Force to push a handful of them into space. Luke then tells Lando and Holdo to defend Chewie because he needs to go after his book. So he runs over to try and do that and he notes that the force is with him. He can feel it all going through him. He feels his connection very strongly again. And now he can identify the weak spots on the killbots and also because he's so connected to the force and his lightsaber, he easily slices through all of these droids with his lightsaber. Luke sees his book. It's kind of dangling over the edge of this great hall thing and it's about to fall into space. So he goes after it, but a droid shoots his jetpack. He then falls over and some droids around him start stomping as they get nearer to Luke and that knocks the book down. Luke then reaches out using the force to try and grab the book but a nearby killbot grabs his hand and his lightsaber which is in the same hand and crunches it and then you see a small explosion and glare of yellow light and that's where the comic ends. So my friends we move on to the final issue number 33. So you've got Chewie is fleeing from the killbots while Lando and Holder are still covering and Luke's hand and saber are completely mangled. Fortunately, it is Luke's robotic hand, but it's still pretty tough to look at. Lando can see Luke struggling in the background and wants to help, but he and Holdo are surrounded by killbots. Then Luke calls upon the force and a massive wave comes out from him and he lifts every single killbot up in the entire area. And I did count, there's at least 40 of them. And these killbots are very big, hulking, over two meter tall things. So it is not an easy feat. He lifts all of them up into the air, slams some of them down, throws some of them into space in one big go, and he manages to use the force to grab his book back, and then once the book is in his hand, he collapses. The gang are then back on the ship that took them there, and they are heading towards the colony. Lando is wrapping up Luke's mangled hand and asks what actually happened. Luke notes his force connection has been on and off recently, but it was quite weak, and then suddenly it all rushed in and he felt more powerful than he ever has before, and so that's what made him do that great feat. But now he thinks to himself that without his lightsaber, he can't even face Vader. 
so now he's a bit concerned as to where to go next. They get back to the colony and they do offer to fix Luke's hand and Forvin says, oh, he could have a grappling hook on it or something cool like that. And Luke's like, no, I'll just, I'll just wait until we get home. And Blythe is like, wait, so you, you've got the engine. And Luke is like, yeah, here we go. Here's the path engine. And so Blythe calls everyone in the colony and does a big speech to them and says, look, we now have hope. And he lets Lando and Leia speak to the colony about what to do going forward. So in brief, because there's a lot of text here, Leia speaks of the Empire and fighting it and the challenging galaxy. And Lando gives a slightly more realistic view, noting that they are all criminals. They're the ones fighting the Empire. They are trying to liberate the galaxy, and they're actually quite likely to lose against the Empire, because the odds are not in their favour. And Leia does actually agree to this, and notes that it's kind of perspective, but it is still a very dangerous situation in any case. Leia says that they still need help getting back to their fleet, and they still would really appreciate being given some fuel. They're not going to take it without permission, but they do still need the help of the Khazarat colony. Blythe then says, okay, well, let us all speak together. We'll figure out what we want to do. And you guys just kind of go off to yourselves for a little while. So Lando and Holdo talk a little bit more. Holdo obviously wants to go back to the galaxy, but Lando is like, oh, we could stay here together. And she's like, no, I'm just getting started. Then after a little bit more conversing and things, Blythe notes that they've come to an agreement. So Blythe offers them a deal. He says that some members of the colony will leave, primarily some of the younger people, and they'll give the gang slash the rebels the vast majority of fuel that they have. However, the path engine now is owned by the Kezarats. So a group of them will leave, but then someone will travel back to the colony with the path engine just so they can travel freely. And also, Leia and the gang can never ever speak about the Kazarat colony ever again or its location to anyone. Leia agrees to this deal, and then because all the killbots have been completely taken off the Great Hall of the Nile, Kazarat colony decide to finally make a base there and kind of set up a home. So after some, you know, connecting devices together with Lobot's help and etc., they then manage to get the Kazarat colony together and decide to connect it to the path engine and then they go through the weird hyperspace stuff that a path engine does and they manage to eventually get back to the fleet. It's a bit of a bumpy ride, it looks like they may not make it at one point, but they do get back to the rebel fleet. Lando and Holdo talk even more, again there's loads of dialogue between them but I'll delve into that in a moment. And while Luke is getting his hand replaced, Leia asks him about that force feat that he did and what's going on. Luke then explains the force rippling once again, and then Leia is really intrigued by this and says, well, this might be the perfect opportunity for us to strike against the Empire, because if Vader and Palpatine are distracted, it could be our only opportunity. So she goes off to talk to Mon Mothma. Luke then speaks to R2-D2 that he needs to find a new lightsaber because he just can't confront Vader without it. R2 does manage to repair his lightsaber that he's got there, but it is somewhat unstable. And that is where issue 33 ends. So a couple of things to note there. So the lightsaber, as you may or may not remember, is actually a Jedi Temple Guard lightsaber that Luke found from an old temple quite a while ago. It's a yellow lightsaber, as all Temple Guard lightsabers are, but yet it has now been damaged quite heavily, even though R2-D2 has repaired it. But then I want to mention about Lando and Holdo, but I will also note here that I always say to people in these podcasts, please pick up these comics where you can, support the creators, because these comics are really, really good. There's a lot of dialogue, especially in these Charles Saul issues, and to clarify, Charles Saul has written all of the Star Wars 2020 run, but there's a lot of dialogue, lots of really interesting stuff for characters, and I would say that Lobot gets quite a lot of stuff in here, which is cool, but Lando really, I'd say, is the star of the 2020 run of Star Wars comics. It's basically Luke and Lando. You've got Lando's journey and how he became, like, went from a scoundrel in Empire Strikes Back to a general in Return of the Jedi, while you're also seeing Luke become more of the Jedi, more of the confident individual he is, and there's a couple of issues that are coming up that are some of the best Star Wars comics I've ever read, but we'll delve into those when we get there. Yeah, the Lando and Holdo stuff is really interesting, you're kind of seeing Lando try and figure out where he fits in the galaxy, and he's kind of doing what Han did essentially between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, he's going through somewhat of a similar journey himself, trying to be moral about things, trying to put other people in front of him, 
And throughout these four issues, he went from saying, you know, me and the rebels as like a separate thing. But by the end of it, he speaks about us. He does a big speech in front of the Keserat colony. Obviously, I gave you a very, very abridged version, but he refers to it as us. And Holdo really appreciates that. And there is like a spark between them, obviously, but they are on two different trajectories. And there's some amazing artwork in here. I did really like this little arc. It's quite a fun one, you know, going to no space and all that sort of stuff. They are quite cool, but it's not really something that's that substantial to the canon. But the comics that are coming up are really, really interesting. Speaking of which, what is coming up and what's going on? So next week, I think I'm going to continue a miniseries. I'll probably finish off the Yoda miniseries, which is going to be issues 7 to 10. And that's going to finish that off because that's some really cool stuff. Then I think the week after that, I'll probably then continue this Star Wars volume. So it'll be issues 34 to 36, which I'm very excited to tackle on this show. And then we'll kind of go from there. I'm going to loosely keep it in the format that I had done previously before the High Republic all kicked off again, which is going to be one ongoing series episode and then one episode that's like a mini series or something like that. So it's, it's going to be like on and off. So I'm not just going to do constant ongoing series every single week consecutively. It's going to be mini series, ongoing series and back and forth. I also did read all of the Darth Vader black, white and red comics, but there's almost no connections to any other Star Wars content. I scoured them, went through them and the internet and everything, and the connections are very, very thin. So what I'm actually going to do with those is I'm going to release a review of those instead, give you my thoughts on that kind of thing. But I don't know when I'm going to specifically release that. I'll kind of figure it out. I may end up saving it for a week where I don't have time to read loads of comics, but I'll figure that out and I will let you know. So that's essentially what you can expect from this podcast going forward. You can support me in a number of ways. You can leave reviews or ratings on Spotify, Audible, any of those great places. You can share on social media. You can tell your friends about it. Obviously, if you're listening on YouTube, please subscribe and please like this video. And if you enjoy this show enough and feel like it deserves some financial support, then you can do so at Patreon or Coffee. And if you do so, you will get bonus content. I would not expect anyone to do that for free. So if you support me on Patreon, that's £1 a month or more, then you get immediate access to, I think at the moment there's like 190-odd episodes of Afterthoughts. There's Star Wars Legends book reviews over there, which do the plot summaries as well as my actual thoughts on the books themselves. So it's a great way to get a better understanding on some of the big heavy hitters of the Star Wars Legends continuity. But the majority of the stuff over there are TV and movie reviews by myself and my fiance Megan. We watch movies that some of them are classic, some of them are new films at the cinema, etc, etc. We're currently doing spooky season at the moment, so we normally go through a horror franchise every October. Last year we did Scream, this year we're doing Nightmare on Elm Street, and we do a few other horror films in between that as well. If you support me on Patreon, you get immediate access to the RSS feed that has all of that. If you support me on Coffee, which is just a one-off donation, even if it's just a pound, I'll send you a couple episodes of Afterthought. However, if you don't want to support me financially, but you still want to get a taste of those bonus episodes, just leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, Audible, or leave a rating on Spotify, screenshot it, send it to me on social media, at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, Twitter, or on Facebook. Or oh, I say Twitter, it's called X now. If you do that, I'll then send you an Afterthoughts episode of your choice. And if you do it during spooky season, I'll send you two. And they can be Star Wars Legends book reviews, they can be horror films, it can be really whatever you want. But in addition to that, obviously I've got my show, Genuine Chit Chat, which is the main flagship podcast I've been doing for like six years. I speak to a wide variety of guests over there, some of them are about Star Wars, the majority of them are not about Star Wars. But I've had a few conversations about Star Wars quite recently, and I've got confirmation that I'm going to be speaking to two more individuals who do create canon Star Wars content. But I'll delve into that and tell you who they are once I've got those recordings in the bag. But that's probably going to be in sort of November time, so I imagine I'll release them in December. Thank you so much for supporting and listening to the show. As always, please share and like and do all that usual stuff as you usually do. Subscribe on YouTube, check out previous episodes and always check out the details in the description for all the other great stuff I've been up to. And obviously there is the Ahsoka discussion shows which have now finished. 
So you can listen to all of those episodes. Each episode is with a different guest, so all kinds of different perspectives on the Ahsoka Discussion Show. It's great fun, and you can see the video versions of those at youtube.com slash genuine chit chat as well. And then I will be doing probably another batch of discussion shows when the next show comes out. I think that's going to be Skeleton Crew, but also myself, Math and Dave, we finished Star Wars Rebels Reviewed, and we're going to delve into Clone Wars Conversations. So we're going to watch all episodes of The Clone Wars, and we're going to do episodes on each season of The Clone Wars. Certain seasons we're going to split into two, so we'll do two episodes on certain seasons. But that's going to be over the year of 2024, so it's going to be full-on Clone Wars rewatch there. But before we do that, we've got a few like pre-episodes we're going to do. Going to rewatch The Phantom Menace, going to rewatch Attack of the Clones, and we're also going to do an episode on The Clone Wars Movie, which I'm not overly a fan of, but we'll get to there. So make sure you subscribe on Comics in Motion because that's where it's going to be airing or subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash genuine chit chat because they'll be on there with video versions too. But loads of Star Wars content coming out of everywhere. So just make sure you follow me on all the usual places, subscribe in all the usual places and then you will be kept up to date with everything I'm doing. But friends, thank you once again. I'll speak to you next week, likely with the Yoda miniseries part two. And of course, may the force be with you. The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.